Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. If I preach this sermon correctly, many of you won't come back next week. In fact, some of you might even want to leave during it. Why do I say that? Well, the first pastor to ever preach on this sermon, this scripture text to his church, had a church that was busting at the seams. Seemingly overnight, this church grew into a following that had multi-thousands. And yet, when he preached this sermon... Well, the church went from over 5,000 families to just 12. The pastor I'm talking about is, of course, Jesus Christ. And the sermon that I'm talking about is John chapter 6. It's what Christians has famously come to call the bread of life discourse or Jesus' bread of life sermon where he talks about him being the bread of life. And what's most amazing of all is that this sermon is delivered to the crowd the day after Jesus fed 5,000 people miraculously from just a few small loaves. See, at this point in Jesus' ministry, he had been doing this for about two years, preaching, teaching about who he is, about what he was about, about his kingdom. He had been doing miracles to prove all of this people started to follow him. And then two years in, he delivered this sermon and almost everybody left. Why? What we're going to look at is Jesus' sermon. And what Jesus does in this sermon is he gives us scrumptious morsels of the gospel over and over again. We're just going to read selected portions of John chapter 6. But if you read the whole thing, Jesus kind of sounds like a broken record. Over and over again, he gives the gospel. And just so we all remember, the gospel means good news. So why? Why, if it's so good, did people leave? Well, in short, Contained in the gospel are ideas or truths that are countercultural, that are the opposite way of thinking that culture and society does. And not only that, not only are they countercultural, well, they're counter rational. They're different than how people, human nature, reason and think. These things are hard for people to grasp. And so they left. And I want to look with you at the exact words and the exact reasons why they did. But honestly, I I hope you don't leave. (laughs) I hope you remain here to hear what Jesus has to say, to hear how these ideas, this gospel, well, it transforms us. We're going to look at just portions of John chapter 6. So normally, I encourage you to have your Bibles open, but because we're going to jump around, maybe check out what we're looking at on the screen. We're going to start in with a 
portion that we looked at last week where Jesus fed the 5,000. And then after the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who came into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountainside by himself. Jesus knew his mission. Jesus knew his mission and his purpose wasn't to set up an earthly kingdom, but was to set up his kingdom in the hearts of human people using the gospel. And so when people wanted to force him to be an earthly king, he got out of there. He got his disciples out of there. Disciples went on a boat across the sea and winds and waves popped up and Jesus met them out on the water. And he not only calmed the wind and the waves, but he calmed their fears as well. Miraculously, they went to the other side and the crowd, 5,000 men plus, well, once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Jesus is saying to them, you're looking for good things? I'm trying to give you God things. You're looking for signs? Look for your Savior. Jesus is talking about doing the work, the work that God commands, the work that God gives. And just so we're all clear what the work of God is, this is the keynote of the gospel, my friends, the main point of the gospel that Jesus says over and over again in his sermon on the bread of life. He says the work of God is this. It is not doing work for God, The work of God is the work that God does for you in Christ. It is the work that God does in you, giving you faith in Christ. That's hard to hear. That's hard to hear because people are consumed by work. The work that they do, the work that they want to do, even the work that people do for Jesus even the work that they do when it's to their spiritual doom. Jesus says, do not work for food that spoils. And what do they say in the very next verse? Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And so Jesus put it to them very explicitly. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Do Christians still wrestle with that question today? Do people still wrestle with that question? You are saved by grace through faith. Okay, that's good, great. 
good Jesus, what should I do? You are saved, given a gift called salvation, full, of, full and free. And yet people go out, try to justify themselves, earn what they have been given as a gift through their sacrifice, through their service, through their good works. People hustle, grind, try to get that bread, even spiritual bread. Jesus says, yo, I gave it to you. That's what I wish that people understood. People who are here, people online, all people everywhere who are working, working, working to try to get good with God, that the work of God is this. Jesus says, the work of God is not you doing work for God. It is God working for you in Christ and God working in you through the Spirit. But they didn't get it. They didn't understand that. And so Jesus says it more clearly. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. This sounds really good. Give this to us. We want to have it all the time. And yet they were so focused, so preoccupied with physical things, with what they could see, that they missed what Jesus was trying to give them, what Jesus wanted them to see through eyes of faith. That the bread of God is bread that comes down from heaven. Who do you think that is? So Jesus, in one of the most pointedly obvious and yet positively overwhelming I am statements that there is, he says it. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and you still do not believe. At this time, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. To them, it was outlandish. It was outrageous that Jesus would claim that he is God. He is the bread of life that came down from heaven. And so even though Jesus said it, they were so fixed on what they had in mind, the physical things, the things that they did. But that makes sense. People who demand or work for that which is a gift, those people will never be satisfied by the gospel. But Jesus doesn't give up on them. No. Jesus, who is full of grace, who is full of mercy, comes at him again and again. Three times he says it. He said, stop grumbling among yourselves. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. 
I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. I'm hearing it. Many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And from that time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And they demanded that bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread that came down from heaven, given to you. Whoever believes this, whoever consumes this, lives. But they grumbled. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. But they left. They walked away from him. I'll never forget the lady who was given a gallon of milk by my mother. I grew up in south, uh, south central coastal Florida, and my father was a pastor, so we lived on the same piece of property as the church. It was a massive piece of property, 16 acres, and the church sat on one side and the parsonage or the pastor's home sat on the other. It was on an eight-laned highway, and so very often passerbys, people who are homeless, people who are looking for food or clothing or a ride, they'd come to the church, and the church would help them out. But on occasion, when the church was closed, people would make their way across the property to our house. On this particular day, I was, I was playing there in the front room, and the doorbell rang. My mom answered it. The woman at the door asked for money, very politely, very respectfully. And so my mom, very politely, very respectfully, said, no, I don't, I don't have any cash to give, but would you, would you like some food? The lady started to demand money, and so my mom started to bring out and offer all these different kinds of food, but she didn't want any of the food. She went through the list of all the things that my mom had to give her. And finally, they settled on milk, that she wanted milk for her family, for her children. And so my mom went to our fridge, gave her an unopened gallon of milk that we had just bought. And she said goodbye. And I remember watching from the front room as that lady walked down the driveway, opened up the gallon of milk, and poured it out all down the blacktop, and just kept walking. She had what she wanted. They had what they wanted. The bread of life. And yet they walked away completely and utterly empty. Still begging. Still looking. Still searching. Very famously in his book entitled Confessions, the church father, St. Augustine, said this. He said, my heart will not rest till it rests in you, O Lord. What he's saying is that every human being is naturally never satisfied, never full. Put more bluntly, less eloquently, we're all spiritual beggars. 
what St. Augustine said and, and what Jesus is saying in his sermon on the bread of life is, I am the bread of life. I am what you need and you are spiritual beggars. You need what I have. And yet like that woman, like that crowd, how often don't we walk away empty? You think about it, there are really such things as hunger pains physically. There's also hunger pains, well, emotionally or spiritually. If we are all empty and our hearts won't rest until they rest in the Lord, what do we do whenever we feel that discomfort, whenever we feel that pain? Well, we look to fill the void. We look to self-medicate. Well, this is something that's really obvious whenever you see someone who is dealing with alcohol abuse or struggling with drug addiction. You say, oh, they, they have something that they're trying to fill, a void, an emptiness inside of them. But it doesn't have to be drugs or alcohol. No, oftentimes it's, it's not those things. It, it's things that are much more socially acceptable that we self-medicate with. Things that are culturally just fine because we're empty, because we're spiritual beggars, though we'd never admit that, we're too proud, we look to fill ourselves up with shopping or things. For some of us, it's filling up with food, even when we're not hungry. For others, you look to fill yourself, your life up with your career or with your kids. For others, it's, it's perfectly good and great things, but the fact that we say we binge on TV and Netflix should tell us something, that we fill ourselves up with hobbies and gardening and music, and it could be even way more noble things like volunteerism and activism, but we look to fill ourselves up with these, never enough, always looking, always trying to find more and more and more. And because we live in a culture that values uniqueness, we have options. We can go through life and the buffet of everything that is out there, and we just fill ourselves up with whatever we want, whatever we like, whatever is interesting to us. But it doesn't fill ourselves up, does it? No, like grabbing candy from the dish over and over again, it can't because it's not the real deal. But we act like spiritual beggars. It's our first fill in the blank if you are taking notes, is that we're spiritual beggars, and the bread of life does. It transforms us from spiritual beggars into something else, and yet we go through life like beggars who don't know where we're going to get our next meal, and so we just pile on whatever we can, looking to fill our schedules, our calendars, and our budgets with whatever we can to fill ourselves up. And meanwhile, Meanwhile, Jesus is standing right there saying, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever comes to me, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I mean, wrap your heads around what Jesus is trying to tell us. He says it three different times. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, whoever believes in me will never go thirsty, will never be hungry. You can run through the marathon of life without ever getting tired, without ever getting cramped when you carbo load on the bread of Christ. 
Jesus is saying, like the Energizer Bunny, you can keep going and going and going, not because you're so strong and full of energy. But when you believe in me, when you believe in me, you will never go hungry, never be thirsty. I doubt any if any of us have ever been to the point of starvation, so we can't really appreciate that. But think about that. Never, ever wanting. That's what you have in Christ. The woman walked away, still begging. The crowd walked away, still empty. Yet if we know we have this in Christ, why is it that we still feel empty? We still feel like if we could just have more or if I was just enough. Well, because you haven't left yet, let's keep looking at this. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept this? From that time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Jesus is saying the same message over and over again. Jesus is saying that I am the bread of life. You are spiritual beggars, but I am what you need. I am the bread who came down from heaven. Whoever consumes me, whoever believes in me, won't die, but will have eternal life. I am the bread of life. You will never go hungry. You will never go thirsty. And yet, that's hard. That's hard to hear. They ask who can accept it, who can believe it. This is hard to understand. Maybe you think the same. But check out Jesus' reply. He doesn't say you have to get it. You have to understand it. You have to apprehend it or even comprehend it. I just give it. Jesus said this, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. People can't come to Jesus on their own power. People can't understand Jesus by their own brain power. So what does Jesus do? He gives it. He gives it all to you fully and completely. Jesus says, I give you my word, which penetrates to the very center of your soul. Through that word, I give you my Holy Spirit, which fills you up and gives you all of the things that are found in me. You want to know then what we need to do, what's left for us as Christians, as believers, as people who have gotten to eat the bread of life? Well, that's just it. Jesus, just a few verse back, he gives us one word, one thing for you to do, something that will completely and always transform you from a spiritual beggar into a soul that is full, into someone who has received absolutely everything that Jesus gives. It's one word. See if you, see if you catch it. Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Jesus says, remain. He says, rest. Remain right here. Don't work for food that spoils. Don't beg. Stop the begging. Stop the searching. Stop the starving. Just remain. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Look, Jesus doesn't want to leave us in the gutter of life as spiritual beggars. And so what he does is he gives us a whole lot more than a gallon of milk. What Jesus did through the waters of your baptism is he opened up heaven's floodgates to you and he poured out his love on you, letting you know that wherever you glow in life, you can know this, you are always enough. That's identity in Christ. He lets you know that whatever you are going through in life, he will always make sure that you have enough. That's God's providential care. Jesus says, stop searching, stop begging, remain in me. Jesus doesn't just give you a few few crumbs of bread. He doesn't give you the recipe for bread so that you can go make your own bread. No, that wouldn't be grace. What Jesus does is he opens up a heavenly banquet to you and he pushes you through the buffet line of his holiness, his righteousness, his forgiveness, his joyfulness, his hopefulness. Jesus gives and gives and gives into our empty hands all of his kingdom. He gives you all of his forgiveness. He takes away all of your guilt. He gives you life anew each and every day. That's the bread of life. It's at this point during many sermons that a lot of of preachers would give you some kind of call to action. This is a sermon for a different day, but any call to action in a sermon that points you to self-transformation or self-help, that's not the gospel. So with tongue firmly planted in cheek. Here is your next step, the thing that I'm calling you to do in this sermon. Are you ready? Remain. Just rest. Just remain right here. Because the idea that Jesus is communicating when he says to remain in me is that You already have it. And you know you have. In song, in sermon, and in scripture, every time you come here, you feast on the bread of life. I suppose with that, I could just say amen at this point. But I told you, didn't I, that if I preached this rightly, you would leave or at least want to leave. And so far, nobody has. So I'm going to keep going. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you examples of what it looks like to remain in Christ. I'm going to get up all in your business and give you a few examples of what it looks like to remain. And you'll be able to figure out what it doesn't look like to remain. Jesus said, remain in me. So what does it look like for a group of Christians living in 21st century America who are always filling up their schedules, always looking for more, always looking for things to do, how they can maximize their time, fill up their calendars, fill up their to-do lists so that they can cross things out? 
What does it look like to remain? Well, what if, what if you woke up in the morning and took five, 10, 20, 40, or it doesn't really matter any amount of time. And before you filled yourself up with your Cheerios or your pancakes, you filled yourself up with the bread of life. Before you took out your phone and you started to scroll or read your emails or check your to-do list for today, you sank your teeth in to the bread of life. What would it look like to remain in Christ? What does it look like to remain in Christ for a group of people who are always looking to fill themselves up to instead start to look for places and spaces where they can be filled, not fill themselves, but be filled? What would it look like for you to start your week on a Sunday and schedule it out first with worshiping and then, and then looking ahead during the week and scheduling into your week an hour or so for a foundations class on Tuesday or Thursday night where you can get together with a pastor and people who love you and want to serve you the loaves of Jesus' love and his bread. What would it look like if you were to cut out of your schedule time in the week on Monday night or Wednesday night, online or in person, for you to gather in a small group, to get together with other Christians and there slice off loaf after loaf, piece after piece of bread, and sink your teeth into all that Jesus gives you? What would it look like if you remained right there, if you remained right there and you watched as you feasted on this bread, all the other food and life that spoils and perishes just fade away? What would it look like if you remained there long enough to see that the slice of bread that God cuts off for you every time you open up his word and you see him spread the butter of his grace and mercy and it melts over this hot and fresh goodness that he gives you, What would it look like if you just watched that melt away all the other worries, all the other to-dos that you thought were so important? I know, I know some of you are going to say, but I have to eat supper after work. I'm talking about the bread of life. Some of you are going to say, but I have to take my kids to this or that, but hey, I have to not be busy on some nights of the week, or I have to get rest for myself somehow. Stop begging. Stop begging and believe. This is what our God says to us. This is what our God promises to us. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I have told you, and you've seen me, some of you still don't believe. Every Sunday, we feast. Every Sunday when you gather with us online for worship or listen to the podcast or come here in person for worship, we feast. We feast on the bread of life that God gives us in sermon, in scripture, in song, and in the sacraments. What would it look like for you to just remain? To remain right here in that to look for places and spaces in your life where you're not trying to always fill yourself up, but you're looking to be filled. 
What would it look like to leave here and yet never really leave, but remain? Not, not leaving behind the bread of life and the loaves and loads of God's love that he pours out to you in scripture. What would it look like to stop going back to, to self-salvation projects, to, to selfishness, and simply listen Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Jesus said, this bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. The leader of the Reformation, uh, Pastor Martin Luther wrote these as his very last words. His friends uh, emptied out his pockets after he had died and crumpled up inside one of the pockets was a piece of paper with these words on it. We are beggars. This is true. What these words do is they call to mind Jesus' sermon on the bread of life. What these words do in a sense is they strip away all of the pretense and all of the pretending. What these words do is they take off the masks and the makeup that we're all wearing to present ourselves as people who have it all together. And what these words do is force us to admit that we are empty on our own. We are always looking to be filled up. What these words do is put us in a posture where we are bent and broken and we are beggars and we come empty-handed before God and we can't even look up to him. We can't even muster the words. We can't even pretend anymore that it's all fine and everything's okay. What these words do is get us to a place in life where we're despairing of ourselves. It's a place that recovering alcoholics and addicts call bottoming out. But when you bottom out, it's then you start to see what the bread of life is all about. Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, says, I am the bread of life. (laughs) What? He is the cheapest commodity that is consumed all across the word. That is what Jesus presents himself to you as. He says, I am the bread of life. I am that which gets broken, crumbled, and kicked to the floor. And you know why he says all that? It's so that you don't remain in the gutter of life as a beggar. You don't remain bent and broken. But instead, the bread of life was brent and broken for you. His body was torn and given for you. His blood was spilled so that you would never thirst. This was all given for you so that in eternal life, you will have life to the full. And every single day, you will never be in want. You will never need to experience the hunger pains of spiritual starving. But you will have the bread of life. I told you all that if I preached this correctly, you would leave. And you know the truth. I don't want you to go anywhere. (laughs) I want you to stay right here. But if you do go, I'm okay with that. 
I'm okay with that, and here's why. Because I know you'll be back. I'll be back. I need to be, and you do too. Together we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And I guess I'm just saying more flippantly what Peter put so eloquently. When Jesus asked him, you don't want to leave too, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Where will you go? Where else will you go? You are not a beggar anymore. You are, to the Holy One of God, beloved. Amen.